Blog Talk Radio. Phoenix, I just opened the bottle. You ready to get the show started? Okay, be right there. You ready? Okay. Where the witch is next door? Hello. Hello. Look, it's the witches next door, live and on the air. Live Phoenix. and on the air. Hi. Well, how's it going? Peachy. Peachy, peachy keen. I like that. It's really hot today. It is. So uh, this is the inaugural episode of The Witches Next Door. We're coming to you from very beautiful and incredibly hot Sonoma. Sunny. Sunny. Yes, that's good. <laughs> Sonoma County in Northern California. Yes. And uh, we are in our home studio, which is, is the living room. Yeah, I mean, that's fancy radio talk for we're sitting in the living room. Yeah. With a couple of microphones and uh, a computer and the dog. And the dog. Yes. She is our third host. Yeah, she's the quiet one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, maybe. She might start barking. You never know. That's true. Uh, so, you know, uh, it seems appropriate that the, the witches next door is actually, you know, recorded in our living room uh, with the dog about and, uh, you know, being able to look out on the street uh, for one of us facing one direction and the other one looking out into our back garden. Um, because, you know, we really are the witches next door. Yeah. And what that means is we, we live next door to someone. <laughs> to someone. Wait, what? Yes, there's neighbors on both sides. I wonder if they're listening. <laughs> Seriously doubt it, but that would be pretty neat. Hi, yeah. neighbor. Hi, neighbors. <laughs> the fundamentalist Christians that live next door, do you think they're listening? I'm, I'm not sure that they're fundamentalists, but probably they're not listening to a witchcraft podcast. No. Which is very likely. Unlikely. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, what, yeah. Did, what did I say? It's very likely. It's very likely that yeah. they are listening. Yeah. No, it's unlikely. It's unlikely. Yeah, that's likely. Yeah. Yeah, but it's unlikely. So, moving on. <laughs> I mean, we have another 58 minutes of this. <laughs> I just wanted to let folks know that we did launch the chat window. So if you want to go on to Blog Talk Radio, you can chat with us. Uh, we are in the chat as the Witching Hour Spellcast because... That's the network that yeah. this show uh, is aired on, on Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. There are a, a number of shows that are on the Witching Hour Spellcast roster. Um, and uh, one of them is with Jason Mankey. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And what's it called again? Do you remember? I remember the three words that it's called. I just can't remember what order they're in. Well, go on then. Witches, Whiskey, and Wit. Yeah, that which is right. wit and whiskey. Which is wit and whiskey? Yeah, that sounds better. I thought it was. We're doing a great plug for Jason's show. Here. <laughs> I thought it was witches because you know witches. Yeah. And then whiskey, and then if Jason drank enough whiskey, the show would get witty. That very well could be. But who knows? But that's another show on this network. It's yeah. not. Um, no, it's on this show thursday evenings oh. and our show the witches next door is on wednesday evenings and then the witching hour spellcast which is our our overlord that's not <laughs> that's so not that a is, good time that is on at different times there's not an official um moment that yeah. that show happens it happens spontaneous it is not a regularly scheduled show that's Probably a better way of saying yeah. it. As opposed to our overlords <laughs> just choose to <laughs> chat whenever they feel like it. <laughs> Whatever. So, Anywho. <laughs> all right. So we should probably actually, now that we've 
plugged everybody else's show mm. in our inaugural episode, we should probably talk about what this show is about. So, uh, Phoenix, what, what is this show about? I have no idea. Excellent. Yeah. Witty banter, clearly. Sure. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Well, let's see. We're witches. Mm. And we live a pretty ordinary life. Yeah. In a rather ordinary suburban neighborhood. Yeah. So we're, you know, instead of the girl next door, we're just the witches next door. So we write a blog on Paseos called The Witches Next Door. That's convenient. Yes. And sometimes the posts are written by the two of us, sometimes by myself, sometimes by Guion. But we talk about witchy things and pagany things and what it's like to be a pagan family, what it's like to do public ritual, what it's like to be what it's like to be a witch. So that's kind of I think what we're going to do on the show is talk about what it's like to be a witch. I think that occasionally we'll have some some more educational episodes where we, you know, teach something. Wait, what? Yeah, that might be fun. Yeah, that could be good. And we're going to interview cool people because we are really uh, gifted to know a lot of cool witchy people. Gifted? We are blessed to know a lot of cool witchy people. I thought you were going to say, we are not cool people, so we're going to have cool people on the show. I might say that. Because that's how I feel about things. But I doubt you would ever say something like that. No, I would never say you are not cool. <laughs> I'd think it, but I would never say that you're not cool, Phoenix. Yeah, exactly. You're the coolest witch I know. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's true. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think this show is going to be about? <laughs> oh, slagging each other off, apparently. Um, no, I, you know what? Uh, I think you really nailed it. Um, while we are, um, you know... Uh, sort of normal members of society in the fact that, you know, we go grocery shopping and, you know, do things, go to shops and buy things. Live in the burbs. Live in the burbs, you know, and, you know, toil in gardens. Um, We are witches. And I I mean, I really think that colors our perspective on the world. So, you know, I think uh, our neighbors probably look at their front lawn and think, um, well, look, there's a big expanse of grass that I need to mow. And we look at our yard and think, hmm, how can we be in communion with that piece of land? How, who lives on that land? Who visits that bit of land? Um, and I think that really changes our perspective. Uh, certainly, I know that the way we practice magic as a couple, mm-hmm. and then I think the way that individually we practice magic, which is quite a bit different, uh, I think that... Um, um, that's part of what we'll bring to the show. Some of what our uh, collective magic is. I think we'll chat about our personal magics that we might do. Like you said, I think some educational stuff. I hate the word educational because it makes it sound like people are going to be learning. And I'm not a big fan of that in the sense, but I do think we can share, you know, experiences, experiences and wisdom. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, probably promote some of our own adventures around the world when we can, Start when we can about. be in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, differently. So that's it. Uh, so I have a question for you, Phoenix. Mm. Uh, uh, if you could have seen the eye roll that went along with that question, people. Uh, so, uh, people. So I'm, uh, I'm curious, Phoenix. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot about you, but for anybody Do that's, you? well, you know. <laughs> I think if we played that old dating game thing, you know, where it was like you had to ask <laughs> questions about each other, I think I know more about you than you know about me. Maybe. Yeah, I think I do. Uh, but not because you're secretive, just because I have a really bad memory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So look, why don't you tell the uh, the good people? Mm. And I mean that in any way you want to take it. Sure. Why don't you tell the good people a little bit about yourself? Like, who are you? How did you become a witch? How long have you been uh, all witchified and stuff? Hmm. Well, that's like a long story, but I'll I'll make it a little bit shorter. We have forty two minutes. I know. Fifty two minutes. I know. So, so let's see. Uh, I was not raised religiously, so I don't have a Christian background or any other religious background. It's just you know most folks have are familiar with the Christian background. I'm not. I'm not familiar. <laughs> you keep wanting to interrupt me. I can tell by the face. You're no, making. I just, I think it's funny because you say you have no Christian background, which is absolutely true. And I just think about the times over the, you know, the 17 years we've been together, how many times you've been like, so what's the nativity? Like, why, why do people put like donkeys in their front garden? It's not quite that bad, but yes. yeah. So yeah. I yeah. I do you. get what the nativity is about. Right. Right. Yeah, but there are some other subtle things that I don't understand right. and don't have context for. Anyway, but around the age of 15, uh, I went through a, a rough patch in life, and I thought that perhaps it wouldn't be so hard if I had religion to fall back upon, that maybe religion was the thing that gave people strength during hardship. So I started studying reading books, going to my friends' churches, which was a very enlightening experience because one of my besties was Catholic. Catholic churches are fun. I mean, the sermon part is not, but like all of the like kneeling and dipping into holy water and all the like burning incenses and the chants and stuff. I liked all that. It's very pagan when you think about it. Yeah, but then when he started talking about Jesus and stuff, I was totally bored. (laughs) <laughs> then it wasn't fun. But my other bestie, her family were the leaders of a cult. I'm not even shitting you right now. Like a Christian cult? Yeah. And my two of my friends and I went to her like teen youth group thing, and it was insanity. And I kept looking at my friend, the Catholic, and I was like, is this what it's like when you go to like catechism or whatever? Like, is it all brimstone and fire and you're if you sin you'll live on a lake of fire with other sinners because we like we watched a video that basically went in all this and my friend the catholic looked at me and she was like no there's nothing like this so you know i was exposed to some weirdness Mm. obviously none of it fit and then this is in the 90s in the mid 90s and i stumbled across a book about witchcraft And I opened it up and read it, and I was like, whoa, dude, all this stuff is what I've believed or what I believe. And I did. Thing, you know, the. Well, it's so funny because I was on Jason Minky's show last week, and we just talked about this. I don't remember the name of the book, but it was by Jarena Dunwich who wrote a million books. And then the other sort of first book is the big book of witchcraft by Raymond Buckland. Oh, the big blue book. Yeah. yeah. So, so those two books really were pretty instrumental in the beginnings. And then, you know, I read everything I could get my hands on. This was early internet. So I didn't really understand the internet and there wasn't a lot going on on it then. Yeah. Uh, but I had a couple girlfriends that I could rope into doing things with me. And then my friend in high school found the reclaiming tradition of witchcraft. She
start with Starhawk and uh, it was the most amazing and terrifying experience of my life probably because I was so shy. I really, I still am. I've just learned how to work with that, but we had to sing our name into the circle. God, I was so I, like I could have melted into the floor, but it was amazing. It was an amazing ritual. And the moment where, you know, there was 80 ish people at this ritual and the moment where we raised a cone of power and all sang together was mind blowing. And I thought, Oh, this is what all those books have been telling me to do. There's no way I would have ever figured this out on my own. Oh, so you'd read at the end of the ritual, raise energy. And you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? Yeah. I'm like, well, the three of us will dance around the living room and clap and feel weird and silly and awkward. And we are witches. We are yeah. witches, something like that. Yeah. And it, yeah. But then yeah. you had 150 people. Uh, right. And, you know, yes, with your little coven of three people or your solitary practice, raising energy is a lot different than when you're with 100 witches. It's just different. So, yeah. you know. But then I kept going to reclaiming rituals for a, well over a decade, but I didn't get more deeply involved. I just kind of did my own thing. And I had, you know, I had a coven, my ex-husband and I had a group that met regularly, as you know, Uh, and then right before 2009, I went to my first reclaiming class, Um, and you and I, well, you know this, I was involved with a Druid group for three years, which actually is what led me to get more deeply involved with reclaiming, because the Druid group was all online, and I, it just didn't, it wasn't enough for me. I needed to actually be with people. I felt like I wasn't learning enough. Something about joining in more deeply with the reclaiming tradition sort of broke that barrier of shyness or fear of community, so to speak. And once I had broken that open, I just ran. I just ran with it. Because a year later, I was student teaching. The, a year after that, I was teaching at witch camps. It's just kind of all fallen into place since then. And now I'm a gardenarian. I was initiated gardenarian a few years ago, second degree. Thank you. So there's also that. Like I've continued to learn and expand my personal practice as well as starting to share what I've learned with other people through teaching, which is my favorite. I remember uh, you, as you were growing into your uh, priestess, Hood and your, mm-hmm. your, your public uh, priestess thing. I remember there was a time when like you wouldn't sing or particularly raise your voice in any way where you could be singled out. Right. Like you would join in the chorus, but not, not yourself. And then I remember one instance where you were singing a song that's quite a well-known pagan song. And the person that wrote it was in the room oh, and yeah. had been a former teacher of yours. And yeah. It was the weird sisters song yeah. by Beverly Frederick, if anyone knows it, but. Yeah, and I I knew she was going to be there, but I'd already, yeah, I'd already broken that that uh, edge too of being afraid to sing in public. I just sat one by the horns and got over it, and then now I'm not doesn't really bother me anymore. Now I do it all the time. I wasn't really thinking we go here, but I just have a question for you. Do you think that part of you gaining uh, power, mm. whether you look at that as um, you know, like witch power or, or just personal empowerment, you know, however it is that you might hold that. Do you think that that sort of facing those edges uh, helped grow your or, or serve as a foundation for your um, 
your witchiness? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, this is, again, going off of topic a little bit, but now you open the door, so, you know, it's your own fault. But, you know, we talk about shadow, which I don't really, um, I find problematic, right? But when we know the parts of ourselves that are wounded or afraid, when we are aware of the parts of ourselves that are limiting, and then we can work with those parts and either break them open or heal them or move through them. It does make us stronger. It makes us better people, which means we're better witches. You know, the, the more your temple is clear and clean, meaning you as a conscious being, the better your spell work is, the better your magic is, the better your relationships will be. And it impacts everything. So yeah, absolutely. Like knowing that I was shy facing my fear of singing in public may feel really trivial or sound really trivial, but it was huge in me taking up more space and letting myself take up space, which was not something I'm still not comfortable with it, but it was not something I even wanted to do for most of my life. Yeah. Which is so odd because you're such a public person between, you know, being an author and a, and, uh, you know, you've written several books now, what, five or six different books, and you are, you're a blogger and you, um, you know, you teach at events all over North America and Australia you've taught in. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, a variety of conferences and things like that as, as up until the last few months anyway. <laughs> yeah, this year's uh, been a little weird. It's a bit weird, yeah. But, um, I mean, you're very public with being which I mean, you own – a shop. I mean, we co-own a, a metaphysical shop. Yeah. So, I mean, y- you are out in just about every way possible. Yeah. But, yeah. So it's odd to hear that you, uh, I mean, I know you were shy and I know you still are because, oh, well, you know, I live with you. Right. Um, oh, that, yes. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's amazing to like see, to watch that transition yeah. as your partner, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's pretty much it. And there's, you know, details and junk, but I'm sure as the show goes on over the however long it exists, you'll learn lots of weird and woolly things about me. Woolly? Well, yeah. You know. Is that because you don't shave your I legs? was just going to say, <laughs> you know, look at my legs. Anyway, <laughs> but that's enough about me, Gwion. What about you? Why do you call yourself a witch? Oh, you know, subversive. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's cool and it, trendy. Hashtag cool witchcraft. Hashtag we the witch. Um, no, you know, um, I mean, I have a, my own origin story. I think this is one of those fun things about being a witch or being in the pagan world or the druid world or the heathen world is most people, I think, weren't born into that. I mean, that's not true of, of everyone. Obviously, there are some people that have been raised in a particular... Like our children. Like our children, for instance, mm-hmm. right? But um, uh, I think most people have an origin story. You know, they came to paganism, they came to witchcraft yeah. um, through some event or events. And Well, um, I guess you could say if you were born into it, that's an event. It is an event. It's true. <laughs> it's one that you have a little less control over, I think, Yeah. generally speaking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, my story is, um, so I uh, grew up in England. Um, and I've said this several times, you know, I, w- I was not a pagan in England whatsoever. My mum uh, was not um, a religious person. In fact, her take on the whole thing is that religion is a bunch of bollocks. Yeah. Uh, that's frequently what she says. Right. 
I mean, she uses the term bollocks fairly frequently anyway. But. I think you should actually do it in the voice that you would use to tell us about how your mom speaks. Go on. Oh, great. Oh, that is a bunch of bollocks. Bloody religion. Oh, what a waste of time. Thank you. <clears throat> My mother was actually a Monty character Python. in Monty Python, yeah. But um, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that actually wasn't at all my origin story. Uh, let me see. So my mum, uh, an atheist mostly, yeah. or an agnostic at least. Yeah. Uh, I know she believes in a lot of odd things, but anyway, she um, uh, oddly enough sent me to a Church of England school that was just down the road from us, where we lived on our estate. Which sounds very grand, but in in England that doesn't mean like Downton Abbey estate. That means a council estate, which is basically government housing on the projects, right? right? So that's where I grew up. But at the top of the hill, there was a school. But Church of England's very tame, right? It's not like Catholic school. Um, no, it was pretty much... Like weird, like, nuns aren't hitting you with rulers and stuff. No, just the teachers. Cool. Yeah. But that's... All, well, that was also a different time. It was a different time, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but at the top of the road, there was a comprehensive school, uh, which was a state school, so not a Church of England school. Mm-hmm. And then at the bottom of the like hill... Like a public school. Right, right. Uh, and at the bottom of the hill, there was St. Mary Magdalene, was actually the Ooh. name of the school I went to. Yeah, St. Mary Magdalene. Mm, it was. Um, so anyway, um, I went there, and we were required to do religious education. And then when I was about eight, my best mate, a fellow by the name of George Briscoe, was we don't have permission to use George Briscoe's name. Permission not granted. <laughs> the lawyers will jump in here. We'll call him George Briscoe. <laughs> <laughs> so George, last name unknown, possibly Briscoe, uh, was um, talking about how he loved singing in church, and I went singing in church. That sounds good. What's that all about then? And he was saying that he got to do all of the solos. Because he, his voice, he was a treble, right, in, in the range of his voice. And so uh, I thought, well, I'm a better singer than George Briscoe. So I went to church and joined the choir so I could sing and take all of George Briscoe's um, solos. You know? We're learning a lot about Gleon's inner machinations right I now. I know. I was robbing him of his one and only joy. <laughs> And I loved everything. I was going to say, which became your (laughs) biggest joy. Um, But anyway, so May Day Festival, which was sort of loosely about the Workers' Union uh, May Day event. But it was also, there was a giant fuck off uh, maypole and people danced and hung around and dressed in flowers and dressed like maidens and peasants and you know things like that and then um in the the summer months we would have a harvest festival and the whole church would be bedecked with sheaves and it was very llamacy and again where i grew up there were some woods close by and of course of course and in one of the woods there was a ruined abbey that had been destroyed in the 1500s uh, during the reformation mm-hmm. and um uh so i went did you just get that noise in uh, your ears? Something just beeped. So. No, that's you because you're plugged into the computer. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. So anyway, um, I would run around the woods and pretend I was a knight and pretend there were, you know, witches and wizards hiding in the in the hollowed out trees. And, and um, so I was filled with imagination. So the idea of like Merlin just wandering around in the woods or Taliesin was completely normal. 
to me and you know things like green men images and you know things like that that you would find morris dancers there was always sort of this um latent paganism that's wrapped up in a lot of english traditions right Mm -hmm. um and then uh you know fast forward uh, i moved to the united states and i tried on a couple of different religions just because i had a a girlfriend or a friend that was a member of a particular church and I wanted to hang out with them on the weekends and, you know, absolutely none of that stuck. I, um, I did belong to a very like holy rolling, you know, uh, praise Jesus kind of, um, uh, evangelical church for a little bit. And, uh, they did a faith healing where they brought this fella in and there was 2000 people at this faith healing. And he came in and, um, <clears throat> because I had a theater background, I was watching what was happening prior to the faith healer coming on and I was watching them get information and then pass it along. So when the faith healer came out, he could, uh, uh, it looked like he was magically or or mystically or divinely ascertaining problems that were happening in the audience, but it was all a big act. And I thought I cannot be part of this religion because it is, it's pure bunk. Mm -hmm. Um, At least that particular church at that particular time. Right. Um, so I sort of wandered around a little bit. And then in my um, late 20s, I, I really went through kind of a renaissance with myself. I was kind it's of called a, Saturn Return. That's exactly right. Yes. I didn't know that term. Yes. At the time. Well, we didn't know each other then. It's true. But I was kind of an angry young man. Yes. And um, very entitled and incredibly privileged because I was a you know mediocre white guy. So the world <laughs> was mine, you know. Right. And... Um, and I started to go through some real spiritual changes because of Saturn return, uh, began studying Buddhism, uh, through a very circuitous journey that we can talk about on another show. But I spent, uh, several years, uh, literally sitting at the feet of, a of a Tibetan Rinpoche and, um, learning about that system and was thoroughly engaged with that. Never imagined that there would be another spiritual path for me. And then I was at a, uh, a, chat with the Dalai Lama, a lecture with the Dalai Lama. And uh, he had said, not to me specifically, but right. just to the crowd in, in and, his and talk. in his talk, right. He said this in many books. He essentially said something along the lines of, you know, we're not recruiting as Buddhists and what we actually think. He said, you know, we think it's the best way. I think it's the best way. But um, uh, if, if you have a a cultural heritage, if you have your own uh, religion or belief system that's baked into the culture that you come from, explore that because there are mysteries and resonances and um, uh, information there in your culture that you will understand and get the cultural references off that you might not get in say Tibetan Buddhism. Right. right? Um, You know, a story of, um, of a Tibetan saint from uh, the 11th century um, might logically make sense to me, but I would miss some of the subtle cues in that. Right. Um, But stories from England, I might not, I would catch those. They would resonate with me. So I thought, well, that's very interesting. And then shortly thereafter, as you know, Phoenix, you and I went to England. Yes. And, um, well, it wasn't shortly thereafter. It was a a little ways down the road. uh, Shortly after I heard the Dalai Lama say that. Yes. Um, We found ourselves in England and I immediately was home again. And and I mean that like my body moved differently. My voice sounded differently. I was home and then that large pop was Phoenix (laughs) banging her forehead on the microphone. Sorry. So um, there you go, folks. (laughs) Told you this is a homegrown show. Whoops. (laughs) 
Ah, shenanigans, I tell you. She just wanted to interrupt my story. Sorry, Glenn. Ah, so I'm riveted. I can tell you. <laughs> I've never heard this before. Not this week. Ever. <laughs> so we uh, we found ourselves in Bath in um, in England, which is one of my favorite cities in the entire world, and um, uh, it's it's been a uh, you know the Romans were there two thousand years ago, but that. Spring has been running for tens of thousands of years and people have been gathering there and there was sort of a mystical experience there. And then we went down to Glastonbury and I know it sounds incredibly cliched and tweed, but I found myself on top of Glastonbury tour with Phoenix and um, Phoenix. I just, she just did this. She like raised her arms just like out of, you know, the old mists of Avalon book and, and movie and called down the mists and son of a gun. If those mists did not come in, over the veil of Avalon. It was shrouded in fog and mystery. And I went on um, an excursion. Uh, I felt like I was flying with the ravens and flying all over Somerset and sort of had this, um, you know, undefinable, ineffable um, adventure. And uh, part of what came out of that was recognizing that um, my path was the, the path of the witch and uh, have never looked back. And then similarly, I spent a lot of time in the reclaiming tradition because Phoenix introduced me to it. Yeah. First That's a bit of an odd glitch, folks. You see, that was the universe saying, Guion, you've been speaking far too long, so we're going to disconnect you from your own show. Yeah, not sure what happened there. Oh, but... Sorry about that, folks. So if you heard uh, a little bit of silence, use that time to meditate. <laughs> Reflectively. <laughs> going backwards. Reflect on Guion's story when you play this back. We'll figure out what that glitch was. First shows. Yay. Yeah. All right. So anyway, yeah. So I became a, a witch and a pagan and part of the reclaiming community for many years, and and uh, did teach, do teach in that community, and uh, um, haven't as much recently, and uh, and uh, sort of practice my own flavor of witchcraft as well, which has a lot to do with being in the kitchen. Hmm. So uh, that's a little bit about who you and I are. Yeah. And uh, you know, most everyone that had logged into the call has fallen asleep now. Right. Um, so. Uh, what can people expect to find on this show? Like we talked about that, right? So maybe a little educational, some stories, some guests, um, Peter, the dog barking in the background. Although she's really chill right now. She she's is. Just she here. is quite chill. Yeah. Um, what do you think we should talk about, um, like the world at the moment? Right? Oh, just that <clears throat> little thing. Yeah, I know. I thought we can't start our inaugural show, given yeah. the timing of both you know, the pandemic and, and events going on around, especially the United States, but I think globally as well. Yeah. Um, you know, what do we want to say about that? Well, I think, well, I do feel it's important that we mention that this is launching during not just the pandemic, but civil unrest and facing racism, you know, especially in the United States. Uh, the, you know, the idea of this show was born during the pandemic. Grant and I have been talking about doing a podcast for a really long time, but it was, we both have very busy lives uh, and down because we've, our county in California has been on lockdown for th about three months now, March, April, May, June. Yep. Coming up on three months. Uh, and that has drastically changed my life. 
a lot. I mean, it's changed everyone's life, but, you know, Guion works from home at his muggle job. So that's something that's continued. Uh, but, but my schedule in life has drastically changed. And um, some of the plans that may have been, oh, someday we should do this thing, were given more space because there was more opportunity to do things and to plan things and to talk about things. So um, I think that's true for a lot of people. I think that's true for a lot of people. But this show came about because we had space to actually put some plans in action. And um, and now that we sat down and made plans and actually created the thing, there's been a huge outcry against police brutality. There's been a, all these protests around um, equality and changing really the fabric of our culture and our country. And, and just to be clear, in case Phoenix wasn't, um, <clears throat> we're in complete solidarity with oh, yeah, protests. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we are absolutely against police brutality. Absolutely. And do our best, flawed as it may be, to practice um, not only to call out racism, but to personally work on anti-racism. Um, right. to, to dispel it and name it. And not just in community and culturally and where we live, but within ourselves too. Oh yeah. Because there, sure. you know, especially for me being, I was, I was raised in the United States. I am a white woman. So I, it is, it is built, built into the culture I am from. So uh, it is weird times for this creative endeavor to sort of launch because there is so much unrest and uncertainty and, um, fear. There's just a lot that's, that's yeah. There's a lot that's unsettled right now. So it's weird to to start a creative project or a um, you know sharing a bit of ourselves with a larger audience when there are so many other things that feel more important or bigger or should take up that space and time. And yet, being a witch and practicing my faith and being connected to the land and working with the spirits that I work with, that is never been more important. And so I feel like that's at least part, for me, that feels part of why doing this show and, and doing it important. It's needed because there are lots of people who are lost, who are like 15 year old me, you know, and feel like if they had some sort of foundation or felt like they had more power or control, maybe their lives would be different. And that's definitely something witchcraft can do. Yeah. For you individually and I think collectively. As right. Well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like there's a big working happening across the globe for witches on Friday on the full moon for Black Lives Matter and solidarity and safety for protesters. It's like this huge working. Which, again, we are fully in support of. Yeah. So check that out. It's easy to find online. Like everyone on social media is posting about it. But add some of your energy to that working on Friday night. So speaking of... Um, uh, magical workings. Mm. Um, you know, I think this is a question that, again, because of the times we find ourselves in for the last, you know, 10, 12 weeks, we've been in a shelter in place. And you and I have taken that very seriously, as have, you know, lots of people that we know. Yeah. Uh, we've we've barely left the house. And when we have, it's been, you know, we've basically been wrapping ourselves in masks and latex and, you know, everything that we can to protect ourselves. Um, and it, it has shrunken our lives in an interesting way and yet i think in that simplification and that simplifying of of our lives we, we've actually found 
a lot of space to do things that we put off. This is the first time this 12 week period. Or 10 times. Mm-hmm. teaching over the summer have, have changed dramatically. You were yeah. going to be in, in Canada and a few other places. Yeah. Um, and I think about that, like, oh, as inconvenient as that is, as, um, you know, upsetting as it is not to be able to go and see friends and whatnot, I have literally put $40 in my gas tank yeah. in 12 weeks. Yeah. And I've driven my car maybe four times. And I think about that, like my carbon footprint has reduced ridiculously. Mm-hmm. And what I mostly focus on is, you know, the 20 foot by 60 foot backyard that we have. Right. And the, the gardening projects and beautification and spending time mm-hmm. with the land, and which we do a lot anyway. And so I'm just wondering, like from a magical working, how, how has your magic changed? Or what are the magical workings that you've been doing during COVID that, um, you know, listeners might find interesting or curious or mm-hmm. something they want to take on, whether or not their state or their county is still sequestered or wide open. Right. Yeah. So there's a few things. Well, I, you know what? I got to name something first because I actually, I've been doing like a candle vigil that that I'll go into more detail about in a second. And I have um, bumped up actually my meditative practice. Uh, I've extended it every day, although there have been a few days where I haven't done anything at all. Uh, and that is actually the thing I want to name is that I haven't been as productive. I, I work a lot normally. Like I will go to my shop and work all day and then I'll teach a class and, or I'll plan, I'll be planning a workshop or I'm doing the budgeting or what, like I'm, I'm always working. And I thought with this shelter in place, like, okay, well, I'll beef up the shop's website and I'll, I'll make some changes with that and I'll do this and integrate this and speed this process up. And I have a book contract that I am supposed to be working on and I have not been productive. In case uh, Phoenix's editor and publisher are listening, ignore that. (laughs) Well, my deadline's far enough away. I feel okay about it, but it's been really, really hard for me to get things done. And then I'm mean to myself because I didn't get things done. And I know that I'm not the only one experiencing that with being locked down and with the, all the uncertainty and everything feels so weird. And, you know, even as places are starting to lift restrictions, I don't feel particularly safe. I, I run a retail business and I have employees that I don't want put in harm's way. And, you know, that's, that's taking a lot of my bandwidth <laughs> And it feels a part of me is like, get your shit together, girl. Like, this is not you. You can do all the things at once while juggling and making dinner. And I, I just don't feel I can't right now, actually. I actually can't. But I'm trying to do small things like the candle vigil. I started the candle vigil two days before uh, California was put on lockdown. I just knew all of this was coming. I had, a, I had a very clear feeling about it. And I started a candle vigil for strong immune systems, both for me, for my household, and for, for my community, for the witches and pagans. 
and really for the world, but you know, I can only do so much with one candle. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I started that candle vigil. And then as, as it was clear that our leadership was lacking, I started a second That's- candle. leadership that's been lacking uh i started a second candle vigil to slow things down uh the virus specifically and to bring compassion so i've been doing this magical working now every day since may 3rd march 13th march 13th and that helps even if it's just saying a prayer and lighting a candle it's engaging me with the process and then i've been doing uh like i said i've extended my meditative practice But I've um, been really connecting to spirits of the land, just opening up and asking the spirits of where I live, of my my little plot, my little corner. What do you need? What can I do? How can we better serve each other? Uh, Guyan and I have adopted a crow family. Not literally. We just keep feeding them. (laughs) And now they show up and yell at us. And that feels like my work with the spirits of the land, honestly. Uh, there's some some things, some signs that that work is being uh, recognized. Phoenix, out of curiosity, in case there's anyone listening that's like, what, what is spirits of the land? Mm. What does that mean to you? Well, I so what I'm about to say is not a universal witch or pagan belief. I believe that the fae, as an umbrella term, includes spirits of the land, um, protective spirits, spirits of specific trees, you know, if there's a, an area in your neighborhood where there's just this weird energy there, you know, there could be a spirit there. And I think that they're likely all fey. If You know, I, I write about this in my book. I look at the fey like what I learned in science class, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. It's all I remember from junior high science. That's pretty good. But there's like this hierarchy of other other beings that are non-human Um non-corporeal and spirits of the land are some of them Mm. does that answer your question yes it does so you work with them what does that mean well when i when i go into my meditative practice i open up so i'm sort of expanding my awareness and listening uh i i'm noticing things that happen that may seem nothing if you weren't sitting in expanded awareness you might not even notice the leaf falling or the tree branch scraping against the window but in expanded awareness, everything should be paid attention to. So I listen and I watch and I see what flies through the yard and I watch what falls from the tree and, and I listen actually to my own heart too to see what messages might be bubbling up. And that, I mean, that's how I do it. And I've been giving offerings, a lot more offerings than I typically do. What kind of offerings do you give? Mostly honey. That's what they asked for. But uh, some beer as well. And uh, some bread. It's just, you know, whatever feels appropriate in the moment. I'm pretty intuitive and just do whatever comes up. Yeah. Yeah. But that's enough about me. What about you, sir? My practice? Well, with COVID and, and you know, talking about racial justice as well. Like, you know, how how do you feel that's impacted your personal practice and what you've been doing? Ooh, yeah. Locked in our house? It's difficult. Um, so I'll I'll speak to the COVID stuff first. Um, 
you know, I, I wrote a book called uh, The Magic of Food, and I'm sure on another show, Phoenix will interview me about that, and I'll tell you much more about Wait, it. Wait, you wrote a book? I did. It's called The Magic of Food. Never heard of this. Amazing. Uh, yeah, The Magic of Food by okay. Guion Ray. Oh, I would have to add that to my wish list. What book? Um, the magic of food. About food. Something about food. Yeah, <laughs> something about food by Guion somebody or other. Yeah, that's that's the one. Good job, Phoenix. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but so in the in the book, um, I talk a lot about how I think food is very magical and the practices around food. You know, the the chopping and the slicing and the dicing and the cooking and the picking ingredients and where we get our food and how we get our food. I think all of that is is very important. And so really over the last 12 weeks, um, I think we went something like nine of the first 12 weeks of this without ordering any food um, online. We have the ability to do that. And what I mean is like takeout. Takeout, yeah. Yeah. Um, We did absolutely switch to buying all of our groceries online. Uh, We were able to do that. We also um, made a decision that we would support local farmers and dairies and um, and butcher shops and order as much as we could on a weekly basis from those shops. And so, you know, what that's done for me is um, anytime you order from a CSA, you know, a, a box that shows up once a week or that you have to pick up once a week from local farmers, you get what's in the box. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get to say, oh, I don't want beets this week. I'll um, I'll just put those back and buy red peppers, right? So you have to use what's in season. And so it's really reminded me of cooking in the moment. Like, yeah. what are the ingredients that I have? What can I put that goes with these? How can I not eat beets five days a week? Or if I do, <laughs> you know, how can I use them in, in different configurations? And I think I was thinking about this up until about a week ago. I've not made the same meal twice. Right. And I'm really proud of that fact. Uh, again, there's, there's some skill and some experience that goes into that. There's absolutely privilege um, because we have enough finances to be able to buy the foods that we want. And I've been exposed in my life to lots of different cultures and food cultures and recipes. And, you know, I know uh, an amazing group of cooks and, and, and food producers and, um, but yeah, I like b- being able to get back into the kitchen and um, make my magic just so, you know, putting the ingredients out, treating them well, sharpening my knives, um, preparing the meal in a very conscious way uh, has, I think it's made me a better cook, but mm-hmm. I also think that um, my level of appreciation for the food chain has really changed. Right. Um, you know, so much of the food that we've been eating recently has grown within or lived within 25 miles of our house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's pretty amazing. You know, there are places in the United States where you can't find a grocery store for 25 square blocks, right. let alone, you know, a piece of fresh fruit. So, um, yeah, I think for me, like getting into the kitchen, cooking, feeling food, you know, delving in, enjoying those sensual pleasures, opening up that bottle of wine that I was going to save for a long time and just say, ah, fuck it, we're just going to drink it now and enjoy it. Right. Because, you know, what's the old expression, uh, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we might die. And with COVID hanging around, right. um, that's never more true, right? Yeah. So, um, and then of course, you know, we have a small garden. Um, we have uh, what about six or seven different beds um, 
that we planted that have got everything from potatoes to corn to beans and, and tomatoes and, you know, all sorts of things growing in them. And so the magic of tending to that every day, uh, the watering and the pruning and the weeding, and like there's just something very subtle about that from a magical perspective. And there's also something incredibly profound about that. So I've really been enjoying that as a, as a practice. And then, um, you know, when it comes to the events that are unfolding all across the nation, primarily in the U.S., but elsewhere as well, um, I mean, racism is just ugly, right? It's mm -hmm. ugly and it's pernicious and it's insidious in the sense that, you know, I, I know a lot of people struggle where they say, I'm not racist. And, and you know, that's probably true for much of on his arm and the KKK, you know, like that's what we think of when we think of racist, right? Mm -hmm. But racism is something really different. That's about systemic oppression. And I think what's being shown over and over and over again um, with police forces and, and other institutions is that some lives matter more. Right. And, mo and quite sadly, a, a whole group of lives matter less. Right. And, you know, that's why I think Black Lives Matters is such an important slogan. It's not remotely suggesting that other lives aren't valuable and anybody that subscribes to the well, all lives matter idea, I think just missed the point. Exactly. Um, right now, um, uh, black and brown people are being murdered, mm -hmm. um, plain and simple, murdered, yeah. um, uh, a, a Traffic ticket should not be a death sentence. Right. Um, yeah, that's what courts are for. You know, if you do a particular crime, then okay, fine, you you pay for that. But even in that system, you know, we all know that black and brown people get sentences that are two times, five times, right. ten times right. um, uh, longer than than white counterparts. Right. right. So, um, you know, um, have I benefited from racism? Yeah, of course I have. And what a terrible, horrible thing that is, right? right. So um, in ways that I don't want to talk about here, yeah. because um, I think there's some work that needs to be done privately. Um, in my professional life, I work very diligently to use the privilege that I have um, for the benefit of other people not in a you know white savior kind of complex because that doesn't do anything but um really getting in and you know changing the systems that continually oppress people and and quite frankly um that just means black and brown people right. more than other folks it's not to say other folks don't you know uh, have all sorts of struggles and challenges. Um, you know, there's ableism and there's ageism and there's misogyny. I mean, there's lots, there's lots and lots of shit wrong. Right. But in this moment, the work that I can do that I think has the most impact is to work with dismantling racist policies in the in the professional places that I find myself in. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, yeah. Like that's that's a lot of what my focus has been over the past twelve weeks. You know, I I love the idea of standing on a hill with you know arms raised on a full moon, doing really great magic, singing and dancing, and you know jumping through a bonfire. And I love that. I really love that. But my magic has been small and potent. Mm 
over the last couple of three months. Mm-hmm. And I, I really hope I never forget that. I yeah. hope those practices continue. Yeah. All right, Phoenix, we've got about uh, six minutes left. <laughs> so what do we want to wrap the show up on? What feels important for us to say on this inaugural episode? First of all, maybe thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. I was uh, actually saying that to you. Uh, like, well, I don't, I don't really have a choice. <laughs> I mean, I know. Well, I think you know this. This show is going to air every other week, so we won't For be now. on. Right, we won't be on every week. We'll be on every other week. Uh, so you know, stay tuned for that. We haven't exactly planned out what the next few episodes are going to be about, so it'll be a surprise to us as much as it is to you. And that's really a product of the fact that we have no idea where the world will be in two weeks. That's right. Valid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, I'm not sure what else to say. What, do you, what would you add? Um, well, uh, if people want to um, download this podcast, which, of course, if we tell them this on air. They're already listening. They're to already it. listening, yeah. Yeah. No. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bit dense. It's okay. Yeah. 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 If they want to read our stuff. Right. So we write a blog on Patheos called The Witches Next Door. On the, the Patheos Pagan. Pagan channel, yes. Yeah. And we have a the Witches Next Door Facebook page where we share our writings and announcements about things we're teaching. And, of course, this podcast gets shared there as well. There is a website in the works. Oh, that was our big third announcement. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not quite ready yet, but it's almost there. The Witches Next Door. Dot net, I think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if you just type in the Witches Next Door. And you find a website, it's probably us. Maybe. Yeah. But that's coming. I mean, you know, websites and things. Yeah. And that'll have links to all of our social media pages, both individually and collectively. So the Phoenix LeFay pages, the Guion Raven pages and right. uh, books and And Milk and Honey. What's Milk and Honey? Milk and Honey is our shop in Sebastopol, California. So there's links. So you can, all of those things feed into each other. On Instagram, I'm much more active on social media than I am. I'm not the biggest fan of social media, but I'm working on it. it just feels like another job. It is another job. Ugh, I know. I've got enough jobs. You do. You have 14 <laughs> of them, I think, at last count. Anybody who gets that reference. <laughs> Bonus point. <laughs> Sorry. Jeez. I can't help it. I keep hitting my face on the microphone. It's clearly too close. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the last couple of things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last couple of things. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> let's. Um, I'm just going to plug your next book because you've got three or four books out already. But I'm going to plug your next book, which is coming out in August now. I think it's out in August. It was supposed to be out in July. Uh, it's through Llewellyn, and because of COVID, they've delayed all of their releases. Because obviously, if no bookstores are open, what's the point in releasing books, right? So um, I think it's out in August now. I don't have the official date. I think it's actually because they didn't, couldn't have people at their warehouse. No, they were social distancing people at the warehouse. Oh, good. Yeah. Nice. But Anywho. the name of the book is called... Walking in Beauty. And it's based on work that you've done over the last what decade? Oh, close to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's 
working with your body as a pentacle and using a tool called the beauty pentacle. And, you know, the sort of the, the elevator pitch that I've been offering is, you know, especially now, and I've been saying this for a year, but it's crazy how much more this fits our world today than it did a year ago. But, you know, it only takes a few minutes on social media or watching the local news to feel like the world is doomed. But there's a way to reconnect. And the beauty pinnacle, walking in beauty, this is the antidote. So this is not a book about makeup? Nope. No, it's a book about the beauty of the world, the beauty of being human, uh, the true meaning of something being awesome. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. Like that kind of awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Not like, that's awesome. Right. Like, but like being struck with awe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. All right, folks. I think we're getting ready to wrap. We've got like a minute or two left on our yeah. show. Uh, there's no outro music. We've been discussing this. You know, you'll notice at the beginning of the show, it's just a bunch of random noises with Phoenix and I chatting with each other and popping open a bottle of wine because frequently when Phoenix and I sit down and chat with each other, there is a pop of a wine cork and, uh, and then we chat, you know, about what's up and what's true for us in that moment. And, uh, we enjoy a, a, a glass or three of wine. So, you know, that will definitely play a role, but we came up with this brilliant opening for the show. We've chatted for an hour and then realized, oh, shit, we don't have any outro music. Right. So um, Someday, maybe. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. So the show is going to go out with a bit of a, a fizzle instead of a wah, bang. Wah. That's going to be – I'm going to record that. That's going to be our <laughs> official like, outro. Thanks for listening. Wah, wah. <laughs> go about your day and stuff. <laughs> That'll be it. I think that's good. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Anywho. If anyone has any suggestions for great pagan music that lasts for about a minute that you want to hear at the end of the show, we'll get the rights to it or get permission. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. All but right. Thanks for listening to us babble for the last little bit. And we'll be back in uh, two weeks to babble some more. Yeah. Pito the dog. Really, next time, shut up, will you? I mean, you just yeah. It's time for the witches next door to go and make dinner for ourselves, feed Pito the dog, and, you know, witch the world. Yeah, you do that too. Yeah.